Okay, so uh, if you're new to us, you'll, you'll note that we are a family, and we're diverse, and I think that's wonderful. We're a family of believers dedicated to worshiping God the Father in spirit and in truth, and seeing Christ Jesus shared with the world, and seeing lives transformed in a positive way as, they, as each person begins to believe in Christ, and their life is changed, and the Holy Spirit works on your heart, and you get involved in actual works of service like this. It changes you. It changes you. Uh, let's see if this thing works. See, we got a new clicker thingy today. Oh, look at that. Look at that. That actually worked. Here's our reading again. Uh, we're going to change it next week, not the beginning of next week, because it's Thanksgiving season. We'll have a, a new one. But say it with me if you will. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, and spiritual host of wickedness. And that's who your enemy is and not the person next to you. Amen. Let's remember that in a time when uh, sometimes we forget that. Seems like the internet's getting to be a hostile place, so let's try to remember that. It's almost as bad as out there on the road. Let's remember that on the road, amen? Uh, so, uh, all right, so did it quit? No, there it goes. So today, we're looking at the purpose of worship. Has years of what I would call maybe old-time religion or old-time worship, has it actually changed you? The old way. Heard of, uh, at the end of a worship service, a preacher got up and he said, uh, how many of you have forgiven all your enemies? And just about everybody in the church raised their hand. I guess they, you know, wanted to score good that day. So they just about all raised their hand except uh, one kind of frail elderly lady. And he spoke to her. He said, uh, are you denying forgiveness to your enemies? And she said, oh, no, dear. I just have no enemies. He said, well, that's very unusual, sister. Uh, how old are you? She said, well, I'm 98. And he said, well, dear sister, uh, would you come up here in front of everybody and tell them all how it's possible that someone almost 100 years old could have, have absolutely no enemies whatsoever? And she said, sure. She stood up and slowly made her way to the front. He got in front of everybody with a big smile on her face. She says, I outlived all the so-and-sos. <laughs> I'm not sure that's what they had in mind. Have all the years of old-time worship changed you? Maybe, if it hasn't, maybe you were looking for church light. I read this the other day. Has the heaviness of old-fashioned church gotten you down? Try church light. Studies show church light has 24% fewer conversions. Church light has 7.5% tithe. Church light has a seven-minute sermon on the feeding of the 500 and church light, entire worship is only 30 minutes long. Try church light. Is that what we want? Why do some people think 
uh, that we worship every Sunday? What, what's in their mind? What do they think is going on here? What do you think is going on? Actually, some people think it's just to check off our Christian to-do list. Some people think it's just to keep from feeling guilty. Some people think it's just done out of habit. It's a ritual, and it means very little. Do we not worship God because He needs it? Folks, the truth is, we do not worship God at all because He needs it. Psalm 50, 8 through 10 says, I will not take a bull, this is God speaking, I will not take a bull from your house, nor a goat out of your fold. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world is mine in all its fullness. Will I eat the flesh of bulls, or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God thanksgiving. In Acts 17, it puts it this way. Does God really need our worship? God who made the world and everything in it, since He is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. He doesn't live in this building. Verse 25, Nor does He worship with men's hands as though He needed anything. Since he gives to all life and breath and all things. Everything you've got came from him. What can you do for him? Really. If you think God's in heaven looking for people to worship him because without it, he'd just shrivel up and go away. That is just not true. What is therefore God's end goal in this desiring worship from us? He desires worship from us because he deserves it. And we need to learn to give to what, to anyone, what they deserve. Amen. Everybody needs to be treated with what they deserve. And he desires worship because our eternal destiny actually hangs in the balance. Yeah. And because... We're the ones who really need it. Well, why do we really need it? Let me give you a couple of thoughts on that. As it turns out, God doesn't really need it. So we need it and we want it. We don't just need it. We want worship. You're here not just because out of need, because you actually wanted to be here. Uh, God feeds us when we come together. Deuteronomy 8 verse 3. So he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. You do not stay alive because of the food that you eat or the drink you have. That's not the reason you're alive today. You're alive because the word of the Lord made you alive. And it is the word of the Lord that keeps you alive. And it is the word of the Lord that feeds you. And that's the only reason you're alive at this very moment. But more than that, God fills us up. We worship because we want to, because we want to be full. Psalm 34 verse 8 beginning says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And God is good. Amen. 
all the time. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Verse 9, though, says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. That means there's no lack. You got all you need. You may say, I don't think I have all I need. Well, that's just an attitude problem because you wouldn't be here if you didn't have all you need. You wouldn't be functional if you didn't have all you need. You have all that you actually have to have or you would not be able to even be here. I want to give you four ways, though, in this text. This text, which was apparently written in the desert. Sometimes it does take a desert. And sometimes it takes being out on that trouble sea. Sometimes it does take a mountain. But whatever it takes, it drives us to him. And in the desert, we want to look at four ways that he satisfies my soul. Did I go too far? No, I didn't. That's it. Number one, worship satisfies the soul that longs for God. And if your soul doesn't long for God, you're in denial. It's not because your soul doesn't long for God. Your soul longs for God. Listen to verse one. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. And listen to this statement. My soul thirsts. For you. He's in the desert. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Folks, I want to tell you something. This world is a dry land. It is a thirsty land. And we need to recognize when we are thirsty. And what are you thirsty for? Why is it that people keep buying things? Why is it that people seem to never be satisfied? Have you not noticed that they never seem to have enough? They've got to get the next thing. They've got to do something. It's because they're denying the one thing that they really do long for, and that is God himself. God himself. You're here in worship, searching for him, looking, which he brings me to the next thing. Not only does your soul long for him, you, you're going to look for him. If you're a normal person, you look for him. Some people say, well, that's just denying you because you feel like you've got to see something. Actually, no, that's normal for you to do that. Verse two says, for I have looked for you. Look where he says he looked for him in the sanctuary. Here we are, right? In church. I look for him in church. Absolutely. I look for him here. What I look for? To see your power and your glory. Where do I see his power in church? When a prayer is answered. When somebody gets to go to church that hadn't been in a while. When things work out. I see his power displayed. And I see demonstrations of his glory in people that I've seen changed. I look for God here. I, I look for him in you. Don't you look for him in the people around you? I look for him. When I'm shaking hands, I'm like, sometimes God just oozes out of you. Amen? And, and it just does my heart so much good. You have such a wonderful attitude. And I'm like, man, I needed that. I needed a little bit of God to pour out of you onto me this morning. Amen? So worship satisfies the soul that looks for God. See, if you came and you weren't looking that way, you missed it. Why don't you not leave this building without looking into the eye of the people around you? Seeing a little bit of it, amen? Look for it. You will see it. If you're so negative, you can't see anything, you need to spend some time. Really spend some time in prayer to God. And start looking in the face of your brethren and seeing God there.
Number three, worship satisfies the soul that lifts up God. If it's in you, and by the way, it is in you, to want to exalt, you want to exalt. You say, what? I tell you what, we look for it so often. We, we have sporting events. We think the sporting events are really far. Honestly, most of the time, you couldn't care two cents whether not that guy can outrun that guy. It is the fun of it and seeing somebody and go, yes! You want to exalt. You want to get excited about something. Psalm 63, verse 3 through 5 says, Because your loving kindness, he's talking down to the Father, because your loving kindness is better than life. Life. I can live without life in this world, but I can't live without His loving kindness. My lips shall praise you. It's so good. I've got to say something. Verse 4, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Just raise your hand just a second. So you can do it in the Church of Christ. Okay. Verse 5. I will lift up my hands in your name. Verse 5. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness. He's not talking about the food you eat. He's talking about these moments. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. There's that praise that's the marrow of life. And there's that joy that's the fatness of life. People who don't go to church have no idea how this is like sucking the marrow out of life. They don't know. This is the moment of joy. This is the greatest moments in our life. And then finally, number four. Worship satisfies the soul that leans on God. Lean on His arms, His everlasting arms. Lean on God. Psalm uh, 63 verses 6, 7, and 8, excuse me, says, When I remember you on my bed, and most of you do that, right? Not every night, but most nights. I meditate on you in the night watches. Just think about what God's really like. Verse 7. Because you've been my help, you were the one that came through when nobody believed it could be better. Because you have been my help, Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. That sounds like a bird, but with the Jews, that's mainly that the tallit, the prayer shawl, those were called wings. Verse 8, like he's a great rabbi. Verse 8, my soul follows close behind you. I, I'm not quite there most of the time, but, but I'm trying to get in your presence. I follow right. I'm looking for those steps. Trying to get where you are. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. So I chase him, but he, I lean on him because I've got no choice. He holds me up. I lean on him. So I come here to lean on God. I, I, I've learned I can't do it. I can't do it by myself. I lean on him. And so it's... What a great blessing worship is. What's the purpose of worship? Oh, God needs to be worshipped. No, he doesn't. No. This is for you, my friend. He's done this for you. And my soul longs for God. My soul 
looks for God in church. My, my soul lifts up God and it does me good. My soul satisfies the soul. He satisfies his soul because I just want to lean on somebody stronger than me because sometimes I just can't face it. You know, we need to express joy over greatness. You ever seen a sunset and you couldn't control yourself? It just came out. Wow. That's beautiful. You ever watched an athlete do something? Maybe a Soccer, maybe some of you love soccer, and do a bicycle kick. Some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. Kick that thing upside down, you've seen those? And you go, wow, wow, that, and you cheer, wow. Or you see an underdog win, like LSU. (laughs) And you shout for glory. The underdog won. Or like when a baby's born, or when a couple kiss at their wedding, or like when the music at a concert is perfect, or when a child shows character or sings in church. We are humbled, and at those moments, we need to praise somebody, something. What is it going on? It's, I need, I need to express it. When we become aware of who God is and what He's really done for me, I need, I don't just want, I need to express it. It's in me. It's in you. You were designed this way. Philip McHugh wrote a song quite a few years ago, back in 1986, sung by Steve Green. It said, God... God alone created all these things we call our own, from the mighty to the small, the glory in them all as God's and God's alone. And God and God alone reveals the truth of all we call unknown. And all the best and the worst of men can't change the master's plan. It's God's and God's alone. God and God alone is fit to take the universe's throne. Let everything that lives Reserve its truest praise for God and God alone. God and God alone will be the joy of our eternal home. He will be our one desire. Our hearts will never tire of God and God alone. If that sounds boring to you, it's because you haven't caught on to what we're talking about now. Don Rogers and Eric Weiss, they're actually married, uh, they don't sound like it with those last names, but uh, back in 1989, Don, the wife, uh, wrote something. They've been interviewed. Uh, the interviewer said, uh, didn't Don, you write this hymn, Wonderful, Merciful Savior? Some of you know that song. Could you tell me how that happened? And Eric was the one being interviewed, the husband. He says, well, I was actually away on a trip. He said, I almost had nothing to do with it. I was away on a trip. My wife was doing her daily prayer time. And in the middle of that, she just started writing. And she wrote. And in just a few minutes, basically, she had it and said, we got ready. We were, we're singing it in the next uh, Sunday. We were going to be a part of our worship. And um, the crazy thing is, is that we had already 
uh, done it at the beginning of the service, and then the preacher wanted to do it again. And while he had been preaching, she actually dashed out. It only had two verses, and she dashed out a third verse. And they had never sung it before, and they sang it. And it was made popular by Selah back in 2001. Let me just read some of these. And, and the reason I'm doing this is because I actually think she messed up. <laughs> I think she missed a word. Just one. And I'll share that with you in a minute. And I've always thought that. Every time I've ever heard it, I thought, that's a great song. But it needed one more word. I'm going to share with you what it was. It goes, wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend. Who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescued the souls of men. Counselor, comforter, keeper. Spirit, we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost our way. Oh, we've hopelessly lost our way. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. There's the weakness of the song. It needed one more word. Let me read it back to you now, and I'm going to include the word. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for more. Almighty, infinite Father, faithfully loving your own, here in our weakness you find us falling before your throne. Oh, we're falling before your throne. That's the one she dashed out in worship. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for more. That's why we're back. We'll be back next week. Same time, same channel. We'll be back tonight. We'll be back Thursday night. My point in the change of the lyrics is that we want more. There's never enough. I never, once this hits you, then no sermon will be required to get you to come on Sunday. Once this idea hits you, you will never need a class to teach you. You will never need to be taught to come back Sunday night. You will never need to be taught to come back Thursday night. You will never be taught need to be taught to go to a gospel meeting. You will never need to be taught to go to a retreat. Your heart will always hunger for more. What will you want? More. More what? More. I want more. I don't want a little bit. I want more. I don't want a little bit of God. I want all I can get. And then I want a little bit more. Amen? If you're here and you haven't obeyed the gospel, you haven't repented of your sins, confessed the name of Christ, been baptized, then your heart has not woken up yet. If you want more, it's so easy. Won't you come looking for more? And we will baptize you today. Won't you come while we stand and while we sing?